Aloha. We are continuing through our book study through the Gospel of Mark. If the Gospel of Mark has blessed you and you've been here for some time, would you give God a hearty amen this morning, right? Uh, we've been going verse by verse through this gospel, and really the whole theme right now is on who Jesus is. And as I look through the corridors of the last few weeks, we saw that Jesus is our healer. Jesus was rejected. We saw that Jesus sends. Uh, we, even saw, uh, we even saw in the idea of sending, there were also one of them, his cousin specifically, John the Baptist, was murdered from this sending. And so we come to a part where there's a lot of tension um, in this gospel per se, but we are moving forward to what happens with the life of Jesus and his disciples specifically picking up from doing a lot of ministry. So I want to jump right into our text this morning, Ho'omau Kau Kau. Would you stand with me in the reading of God's word? Understanding the context, right? His cousin was just murdered because of the gospel. And now we see an offensive gospel really, uh, really honing in on this reality that though the gospel is offensive, the gospel, listen to me, right, redeems sinners. Just as that song sung out. But it goes on in verse 30. It says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they have done, what they have done and thought. And he said to them, Come away by yourself to a desolate place and say that our word with me. Rest. Rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a what? Shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when, he, when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said five loaves and two what? Fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. Listen to this. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up into heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. And they all ate and were what? Satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish, and those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. God, help us to understand today's text. Lord, move us aside. Holy Spirit of God, speak to us directly through your word. Give us clarity. Give us joy as that song preaches. We love you. Thank you for Jesus. In your name we pray. God's Ohana says, 
Amen. You may be seated. By this time in our text, a lot of ministry is going on. When I say ministry, I'm saying like doing stuff for people. Ultimately, because God has changed their lives. You could call these ministries that we see right here in Hilo Town, the homeless ministries that are going on right now in downtown, the Salvation Army ministries, the, 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 the Joseph Storehouse, you know, all the ministries that are going on, Hope Services. There's so much ministry going on, and Jesus identifies the answer to ministry, and it's not what we do, but it's really what we don't do. So Jesus used this one word, to simplify ministry, and it's the word rest. Say that with me. One, two, three. Rest. We live in a culture, a day and an age where we're constantly going. In fact, if you're like me and you're wired like me, I don't feel productive if I'm not doing something constantly. Can I get a witness out there, right? Like, I go cuckoo. Like, I go nutso. I go pupuli. I go crazy if I'm not physically doing something all the time. But Jesus answers a pretty important part in this text where he tells his disciples, okay, we saw, uh, they said, oh, Jesus, we did this, all these things. But Jesus drops to the bottom and says, okay, let's rest now. Last rest. Rest is very important. And so the way we rest, our family, is we take trips. We love to take trips, and I found this old video about three years ago when we first had our boys. We almost had four years since we had our boys, since we adopted them, but I want to show you this video. This is how we rest. I found comfort in this video. It's up on the screen. Watch it right now. Wait, Aloha, Grandy and Granddaddy. We love you so much. I love you. I love you got your face. What was your favorite part this week, Kaimana? Kaimana. A heart. A heart. Go ahead, Kaimana. Play, going on the plane and having fun with our friends and our cousins. No plane. Yeah. What's your favorite part, Kainalo? I spent I spent Kaimana. <laughs> Are you crazy? Uh, Kaimana, what do you like most about Grandy and Granddaddy? That they give us presents and having fun with them. Having fun with them. What about you? And sleeping with them. And sleeping. What about you, Kainalo? What do you like about Grandy and Granddaddy? I sleep with Granddaddy in the face. You sleep? Oh, okay. I sleep on the big face. Whatever. Okay, hang on. What are you going to miss about them? Uh, we are going to play at the good place. When we're going to have fun. Uh, you going to miss them? Yeah, I'm going to go to Lola. Right, what, what do you want to tell them? Take Aloha. 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 Yeah. So we see you soon. We see you soon. Aloha. Ahuyo. Ahuyo. Ahuyo, Kainalo. Do you find rest in that, right? I was, um, I, and this is, this is the reality. Could you imagine Jesus walking with his followers for three years, right? And they're having these conversations, right? Yeah, John, I want to slap Peter in the face, right? I kind of like Kainala. I'm going to slap my brother in the face. I don't know if you guys realize, do you see the transformation that has taken place in Kainalu Boy's speech to today? Right? Like he couldn't talk when we first got in that well. And there's just this transformation taking place. And what God tends to do, he brings us back to fellowship with him 
to find comfort and rest. And for a lot of us, we would think that we are proactive and we're gospel-focused because we're involved in a lot of things. In fact, I, I see people even tell me, you know, they try to be overly busy just for the sake to seem important. Some of you feel like that in this room sometimes, right? And the reality is we, we neglect the one thing that, that gives us fuel and gives us energy for the ministry to come. Rest. A specific kind of rest. A rest with the Lord. And so, they, as, as, as not very creative, but I just call today's sermon, Jesus feeds. All right? In the context of rest, Jesus feeds rest. Here's a heart check for us today. The only thing we bring to ministry is an intimate love relationship with Jesus through a daily pursuit of biblical and desperate fellowship with him. I said this a few weeks ago, and I want to remind you again. Let me say that again. The only thing we bring to ministry is an intimate love relationship with Jesus through a daily pursuit of biblical and desperate fellowship with him. Like when you look at your life, could you look at it and say, yeah, I'm resting that way. Like, that is my life. I am in daily pursuit, biblically and desperately, for Jesus today. Like, I am in fellowship today. Like, I'm not preaching off of a platform that I got it all together today. But I am literally experiencing rest in Jesus. And I think it's easy to go through this understanding of the text without understanding the most valuable part of all these verses we read. Not that Jesus fed 5,000 people, but that Jesus fed 12. Let me say that again. Because we would point all our energy to the 5,000 that is in this text. And we're going to find later on it's more than 5,000. That's just the men they counted, Right? The meat to this text was that Jesus fed 12 men. How? By resting with him. So I want you to see two principles about Jesus today. I love Mark because Mark points, look at this, Mark points us to Jesus, right? Everything that we're talking about is about Jesus. We are a Christ-centered, Jesus-focused church. And here's the first principle about Jesus. Number one. Why, and it's, it's all done in question form. Why did people chase after Jesus? Okay, now we're, in, we're moving from rest back to ministry now. Why did people chase after Jesus? Look at verse 33. He says, now many saw them going and recognized them. And these many ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of Jesus and his disciples. First off... The many did not just chase Jesus. There's a word that is recognized in verse 33. It's the word they saw, they recognized. They recognized not just Jesus, but they also recognized his followers. How is this true? This is why we are a verse-by-verse -verse preaching church. Because you have to go two weeks ago when we talked about Jesus sending out the twelve. They recognized Jesus' followers because these followers were commissioned to heal people and rebuke demonic spirits in the communities of the Judea area. Are you with me, right? And so they not just recognize Jesus and what he has done, but now they're really recognizing those that he has sent out to do the miracles. When people look at your life, do they see Jesus, right? Because that is the reality as we look at this. And so look, look at this. The 12 just came back from their outreach. These many people experienced the power of God through these 12 normal men. 
normal men in normal situations with same kind of issues like we had. Real people in real time with real issues. What were the issues? People were sick and people were demon-possessed. Therefore, God used these 12 men to do what Jesus has already done. So anything we do is the result and overflow of our relationship with Christ. And here's the real answer, right? Here's the answer. After understanding this text, the real reason why people chased after Jesus and his followers, right, was that Jesus and his followers presented hope. They gave hope. How? They healed people from sickness. They rebuked people from their demon possession. They were, and this hope is not like the way we talk about hope in our context. Well, I hope that this guy would live up to his commitment. Can I get a witness, right? right we use hope in this context as a superstitious hope. Like, oh, man. And we base it off of the individual, not God. Well, let, me, let me tell you this. When God promises to do something, he'll do it. It will be opposite of his character to not do what he said he's going to do, all right? He is righteous. He is perfect. So they were probably looking for a similar experience, right, with Jesus. The same experience we talked about since chapter 5, right? Jesus freeing a man from demon possession. Jesus raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. Jesus healing a woman with the issue of blood after struggling for 12 years, right? This same experience was the same experience these many people wanted with Jesus because they literally, physically saw it happen. And so here's a reality check for us today. When people recognize us, can they connect their experience with you to Jesus? All right, let me say that again. When people recognize us, can they connect their experience with you to Jesus? Just like these many people who saw the disciples and Jesus, they chased after them because there was a connection with Jesus. Can people say that about you today? All right, listen to me. Because there are a couple ways we can go about these verses. Number one, we can go off the experience, meaning nothing wrong is with experience, but experience can be limited based on personal expectations. Got to get a witness there, right? Like we all have expectations in this room, right? But what if... Our expectations is not answered in another experience. What if we ask God for healing and he never heals? What if we ask God for deliverance in a relationship, but the relationship is never delivered, right? Or secondly, we can go off a second approach. We can go off the relationship. What does that mean? We can use experiences to cultivate relationships. Listen to me. The best thing I've heard from any mentors is that everything we do is in a platform of relationships, right? I want you to see the life of Jesus, his relationship with the Father, his relationship with his disciples, his relationship with the world, right? Everything we do is based on relationships. Apart from relationships, everything is sunk. Listen to me. That's how we get the hookup, guys. It's not what you know, help me out, it's who you know. Hey, that is in small little town Hilo. I promise you that, right? Like Marcus McBee could come here with a degree, right, in concrete management, and I teased him all along going through this process, Why? Do you, and I teased him, and it, he didn't know nobody over here, but God blessed him. Listen to me, it's not about what you know, it's who you know, and if you know Jesus, you set. These disciples were set. 
I would even say Cajo Marcus was sent, right? Like, who knew that Glover would have an opportunity for a guy from Podunk, Tennessee to have a degree in concrete management, right? Well, only God can do something like that because it's not what you know, it's who you know, and we know Jesus. So we can go off the approach that this whole experience connects us with cultivating relationships, and that's what Jesus did. I believe this is what Jesus was great at doing. I want you to see that the next question I want you to see this question. I want you to see how Jesus cultivated relationships. Here's the next question, number two. How did Jesus react to those that chased after him? How did Jesus react to those that chased after him? All right, listen to this. Before answering this question, I want you to see what happens when they recognize Jesus and his disciples. Number one, they went by foot to a desolate place. You would think because Jesus and his followers went into a boat, then who would get there first? Jesus and the followers. And Mark gives us no detail where they're going. So you actually have to go to the Gospel of Luke to see the story. And I want you to see, out of all the stories that are in the Scripture, all the Gospels, this one story is in all Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they all have similar accounts, but with some different details. And the Gospel of Luke said they were going north. North. So the reason why this many group of people got there before Jesus is because Jesus then were going against the trade winds. And so they chased after Jesus in this understanding, and Luke gives the account where this place was in Galilee, a place called Bethsaida. And what they did was when they got there, they were waiting on Jesus. But second situation, they beat Jesus and his disciples to the location probably because of what we just talked about. So here's the answer. How did Jesus react to those that chased after him? Well, verse 34 tells us. It says that when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a what? Shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So the answer, they chased. Jesus reacted this way. He had compassion. (coughs) He had compassion. Do you, in your walk with Christ, sense that compassion? He was deeply moved by their situation. Some scholars say that many of them were houseless, abandoned. Some of them were just in the time of Judea, didn't have jobs, didn't have opportunity to grow, to get wealthy. They didn't have the American dream that we are all consumed by. (coughs) There were no welfare system, government assistance at this age. All they had was this hope. And Jesus expresses this hope and this compassion. The Holman Commentary says this about this compassion. He says, no animal is as dependent upon a shepherd as a sheep. Without the shepherd, sheep wander aimlessly and get lost. Without the shepherd to show them to the good places to graze, sheep do not eat. Without a shepherd to lead them to water, sheep die of thirst. Without the shepherd, wolves can devour the sheep. Jesus viewed the people as helpless sheep. This is a sign of compassion. When Jesus saw this, it made Jesus compassionate towards them. These people were probably looked over because of Herod. We saw what Herod was like in last week's story. Herod did not take, Herod was not a good shepherd. So Jesus does what only Jesus can do. He expresses why he is a good shepherd because Jesus is compassionate. 
I want you to see in the Gospel of John of one of the I am statements that Jesus articulates as himself. It says this in John chapter 11, starting in verse 11. He says, <coughs> I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and what? Flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the what? Good shepherd. I know my own, right? And my own know me. Relationship, cultivating relationship. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep. I want you to hear this. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Think about this many that's with him now. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my what? Voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father, right? I think a great principle without, it's not on the screen, but just off the top of the, my head with the Holy Spirit, if we're going to judge anybody's life standards, anybody, may we judge it, right, like Christ. Does their life look like Jesus? Are they in pursuit, just like Jesus was in pursuit of spending time with the Father in a desolate place? And showing people how to spend time with the Father. Look, Jesus with open arms welcomed them to sit and fellowship with him. Right? Mark said that Jesus began to teach them. We don't get details of what he taught them until we go to the Gospel of John. And the Gospel of John and Luke gives a clear understanding what Jesus spoke about. You know what Jesus spoke about? The kingdom of God. This is consistent with Luke chapter 4, with Acts chapter 1. Jesus was very consistent in his gospel message that it was about the kingdom of God. And this, here's the thing about the kingdom of God. Not everyone is going to the kingdom of God. Sin has separated them. People are, but at the same time, we can look at the incompetencies of people and just say, this is what they're doing wrong. Or we can look at Jesus and say, here, here's the answer, Jesus. Jesus is a compassionate God. Number three, question number three. What was the outcome of the day? Here are a couple things we see first. The disciples tried to give away their burden. Look at the verses. In verse 35 it says, And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. How many of us do that, right? I'm guilty, right? How many of us, when you know there is a need, and that, that person gets on your darn nerves? Can I get a witness, right? And the last thing you like do, right, is help that brother or sister out. Can I get, is it just me? You get perfect people in this church. If we get perfect people in this church, amen, hallelujah, you're going to the right direction. But the reality is, we got some needy folk up in here. Right? I am a needy individual. We are all needy individual. And what happens in this text, right? The disciples, I would say this way, just my own interpretation of it after studying it a little while. The disciples 
were probably mad because these 5,000 plus people took in on their Jesus time. Let me tell you something. One thing that I'm very, 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 very strict on is my Jesus time. We even hired two administrators to protect me for my Jesus time. I'm not joking. If Kauzik is in study, all right, nobody can go to the Holy of Holies back there. <laughs> no, you know I'm joking, right, and all that. But in my life, no, but my phone is off. Everything's on do not disturb. People come and go. They are needy people, and they want to, they want, they act like I'm Jesus. Like, nothing I say or do is going to make you feel better about your sin. Right? But at the same time, for me, I get so regimented with my schedule. Like, no, I cannot, you cannot, no, I cannot do this. We don't, we don't roll like this. I'm strict in this. But the reality is, some of us come to this place where we're guilty. That's us. And then Jesus drops the ball on them, right? It goes on in the verses, verse 37. He says, but he answered them. Sounds like a Hawaiian remark. Listen to me. What is Hey, you give them something to eat. Sounds like my mom, man. Like, I can think of my mom. Hey, you give them. You give all the food, feed them, right? Could you imagine these 12 disciples, thousands of people surrounding them, People interrupting their Jesus time. It's getting late. They're in a desolate place, but not so desolate that there was towns and cities near the desolate area because the text says it, right? But they were hindered by their Jesus time. And the text goes on. It says, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread? Man, I hate when leaders ask me a question with a question. I promise. Like, do you hate that? Like, they're asking questions. Like, Kahu Marcus gets on my nerves because he's an analytical thinker. And so he's always asking more questions and more questions and more questions. And so I'm like, bro, can you just figure it out, man? All right? It's not, I like, 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 this is how we get along, but because he's more analytical than I. I'm not thinking about the long effects of it. I'm just thinking about now and all that. But the reality, this is how well we work together. But Jesus dropping bombs, and they say, asking more questions. So Jesus does what Jesus does. Right? He gives selfish people an answer. Yes, we could all say we're those selfish people. And he said to them, well, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. Just like Jesus, right? Disciples getting on his nerves. So you know what Jesus does? Okay, go. Figure it out. Give me some time with them. We'll find the bread. We'll find the fish, right? Now you start saying, oh, Kahu is ignorant. I know why you're sending me away sometimes, right? But listen, I, 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 you got to read into the text. That's what's happening. There's 5,000 people, and Jesus said, you rested with me. You should be good, bro. Right? Why are you answering me these questions? You already rested with me. You know what they need. They need food. And so while well, they find the bread, I believe Jesus was having the greatest conversation with this many. And he was talking about compassion. He was talking about the kingdom of God. He was talking about the gospel. And in route... They come up with some fish and some loaves. This text doesn't talk about a missing character, the little boy that we see in the Gospel of John. He, Mark moves fast in this text, and he says, man, give me those loaves. Give me those breads. He blessed them, and Jesus shines at this very moment. Our ending verses says this. Jesus makes them organize these groups, right? Here we are stressing about Ohana groups this fall, right? Several, we have several groups. 
Can I tell you about these groups? The text said they had groups in sets of 50s and 100s. That's a church in our time. That's multiple different church plants going on one time. Right? Jesus breaks them out in these groups. Why? Because there's more intimacy in smaller groups. Right? This is a message for our groups this week. The reason why you need to be involved in Ohana groups is because of this very reason. There's more intimacy. There's more you can do in smaller groups than you can do in a big setting right now. There's more that God can use in, a, in your heart in these small areas that he, could, that he wouldn't do outside of this. Now, could he? Yes, he's sovereign. He's absolutely. But I want you to see what happens when Jesus organizes them with his compassion, right, with the kingdom of God being preached. A word that stands out is verse 30, 42 is this. Here's the answer. What was the outcome of the day? They were satisfied. Are you satisfied in Jesus today? Or are you basing your theology and your ministry on other things but Jesus? Jesus met people where they're at. In such a way, these people chased after him. People believe, scholars believe this was a five to ten mile trek that they run up to Bethsaida just to meet the hope of glory. This word satisfied is also used in Philippians. You may know the famous verse, Philippians 4.13. What you may not know is the verse before Philippians 4.13. And I want to read it in the understanding about being satisfied. Philippians was the book of sufferings. Paul suffered a whole lot for the gospel's sake. He didn't suffer because somebody on Facebook had an issue with my kid's clothing, right? Or that this football game score got out of hand, all right? The issue that he had in this text was that people did not like him preaching the gospel. And so this is what happened. Philippians 4, 12 to 13 says this. I know how to get along with humble means. And I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every situation or circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled. This word being filled is the same word satisfied, right? And, I, and going hungry. He goes on to say, both of having abundance and suffering need. Then verse 13 picks up. I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because I'm satisfied in Christ. Here's a biblical truth that will be powerful. Our, satisf our satisfaction can only be experienced through Christ's compassion. I want you to say that with me. One, two, three. Our satisfaction can only be experienced through Christ's compassion. Could you imagine? They really believe it could be actually 15,000 people that were right here sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus mobilized these 12 guys, right, to feed them not just with truth but with physical bread, with physical fish. Right? And here are a couple things I want you to see. Number one, have you recognized Jesus today? Right? If so, like the 5,000, run after him. Number two, have you been satisfied by Jesus today? If, if so, listen to me, thank him today. And then lastly, have you been changed by Jesus today? If so, share it with someone today. 
Very clear applications for today. I want you to hear this again. Have you recognized Jesus today? If so, like the 5,000, 5, run after him today. Number two, have you been satisfied by Jesus today? If so, thank him. And lastly, have you been changed by Jesus today? If so, share it with somebody today. This is what happens after this story. You know what happens? Jesus becomes famous, and within half a year, Jesus is crucified on the cross because of this one setting. Are you with me? Jesus is becoming famous because people are experiencing hope like they've never experienced before. Herod couldn't give hope. Herod couldn't give compassion. Pilate couldn't give hope. Pilate couldn't give compassion. The only one that could have given these people hope and compassion was Jesus. And what Jesus does, he draws rest to the weary and he gives them peace in his finished work. Do you know Jesus today? Or is your expectations different? Were you hoping that you would feel better about your issues today and your sin today? Because your issues will not stop. We normal, we human beings filled with people who, who are mission fields. Can I get a witness there, right? And they need hope. Issues will never stop until Jesus returns in his glory. How do we face today's issues? We rest in Jesus. And we live out of the overflow of resting in Jesus. And I just got to believe when that happens, we are satisfied in Jesus.